0: Well, good morning, Genesis. My name is Michael. I serve as one of the pastors here. And just want to say thanks for coming out. Thanks for joining us on a relatively cold morning outside, but it's nice and warm in here. Uh, If you are maybe new or new-ish to the community, thanks for coming and spending uh, an hour with us on a Sunday morning. I know there's other places you might be, but I'm super thankful, grateful that you are here. Our heart as a church is really very simple, but pretty transformational. Just want to help all people walk with God. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, whether you're still asking questions about who God is and what God is like and how you can know God, or maybe you've begun that relationship, friendship with God years ago, Uh, we're hoping that in the moments that we have together like this, uh, you'll be encouraged. Maybe some questions are answered for you, but we know that life with God is bigger than just an hour on a Sunday morning. Life with God is every moment of every day, and we get to do that with each other. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about how to begin connecting and building some friendships here within the community, friendships that will not only help you walk with God, but friendships where you can help other people walk with God, Uh, A good step to take after service is over is just stop by our living room. Uh, That is the space in the open space on my left. Uh, Some folks from our leadership team are there just to answer any questions that you might have about connecting. I wanted to begin by asking a question. Tomorrow morning, if you wake up and you know that tomorrow morning is a big day for you because you are interviewing your dream job at your dream company, how would you prepare for that meeting that you're going to have? I'm guessing that you would wake up plenty early and make sure you give yourself plenty of time so that you are not running late to this interview for your dream job at your dream company. I'm guessing that you would figure out, hey, what would be the best attire to wear to an interview such as this? And I'm guessing that you would probably learn as much as you could about the company if you didn't already know, uh, so that when you go, you can impress the uh, people asking you the questions in the interview that, hey, this man or this woman actually knows something about who we are, our DNA, our culture, our values, our mission, and our vision. How would you prepare for that meeting tomorrow? Or maybe this scenario you've got a favorite musical artist or a favorite athlete or maybe a favorite uh, political figure, and tomorrow morning you are going to meet with him or her. How would you prepare for that one meeting? Whether it's a famous musician, an athlete, or political figure, I'm guessing that you would make sure you get there on time and you would dress appropriately for what that meeting would entail. Uh, And I'm guessing if you didn't already know, you would learn even more information about the person you're meeting with so that they would know that, hey, this person actually is not Weird Stalker. They know a little bit about who I am. How about this? Tomorrow is going to be your first date. If you were going to prepare for your first date with someone tomorrow, how would you prepare for that first date? Men, I'm guessing if it was a first date for you, you'd probably decide to shower, so that is a good thing. If you have hair, you might decide to do something with your hair. Women, I'm guessing you might do something, you know, with your shoes, because shoes really matter. Those make a statement, so you'd want to do something with your shoes. Uh, But how would you prepare for that first impression, that first date? Husbands. Remember your first date with the woman that is now currently your wife. Do you remember what you did on that first date to prepare for meeting with her? Now, I wanted to show a picture of my first date with my wife now. Uh, This was 28, 29 years ago, freshman year in college, Now, I know you're saying yeah for me, but Kyla would appreciate you saying yeah for her as well. Uh, so, that was me, my first date with Kyla. I put on my J. Crew red polka dot tie, and I can't tell if you can see I've got my best Mickey Mouse earring in my ear as well. I thought that would be a clever touch. What woman wouldn't be impressed with a Mickey Mouse earring? But that was my first date that I ever had with Kyla, uh, sophomore year of college at uh, Ohio State. All of these meetings that I've given you a hypothetical scenario for, uh, we would prepare ourselves for each of these different situations, circumstances, or people. And I think we do that because we prepare for the people that matter to us we do something different if we're going to meet with someone that we care deeply about, or if we're going to enter into a situation or circumstance that we care deeply about. If we value it, we're going to prepare ourselves, at least in a different way. Now, this morning, as we are walking through the Exodus story, we're in Exodus chapter 19, and we're about to witness a really, really, really important meeting. Uh, For the very first time, Something happens here in Exodus 19 that has never happened in human history up into this point. And what happens is God calls for a meeting with His people. Now, as we've walked through Exodus, we've seen, so far at least, uh, God has met with Moses on a few different occasions. We've seen that God met with Ose, uh, Moses and his uh, older brother Aaron, We've seen that God has revealed Himself in a few different ways where He's allowed the people just to see glimpses of His power and His majesty and His glory. But up until this point in the story, God has not actually called for a meeting with all of His people. And so, what happens here in Exodus 19 is truly transformational because for the first time, God will allow all of His people to hear His voice and see His presence in a way that they had never heard or experienced before. Now, imagine as best as you can that God, who is the creator and sustainer of all things, called for a meeting with you. What would you do? If God called for a meeting with you and the community that you were part of, what would you do? And again, maybe make this even more personal. Do you remember the very first time that you met God? Do you remember the first time you heard His voice? And I don't mean maybe an audible voice, but you knew that God was speaking to you. You knew that God was trying to get your attention. Do you remember the first time that you met God and you experienced and encountered His presence? And maybe you can't articulate necessarily in words what that was like, But you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God was present with you in that very moment. The Bible makes very clear, Old Testament and New Testament, that God desires to meet with His people. And it's the same reality for us. God wants to meet with each of us. And so, because of that reality, as we walk through Exodus 19, there's really just one question that I wanted us to consider, wrestle with, and answer this morning, and it's this question, how does one prepare to meet with God? Like, How do you prepare yourself to meet with God? Holy and powerful, majestic and glorious, how does someone prepare themselves to meet with God? As we learned last week uh, from Kyle, Kyle did a great job uh, kicking off Exodus 19, but as we continue on in Exodus 19, we see that the people of God have finally uh, arrived at Mount Sinai, which is known as the Mountain of God. Now, by the time they arrive at Mount Sinai, it's been roughly two months Uh, Since they left Egypt and over the past two months, it's been kind of a rocky road. There's been a lot of complaining and whining and a lot of bitterness, a lot of doubting God along the way. But when they arrive at this mountain of God, Mount Sinai, this is a monumental moment, not only for Moses, but for all of the people of God. Because what's happening here in Exodus 19 is ultimately the fulfillment of a promise that God had made to Moses back in Exodus 3. Now, if you weren't here about a year ago when we started this journey, we walked through Exodus 3, and you might be familiar with that story of Moses meets God at the burning bush. And God reveals Moses, reveals himself to Moses. Moses hears his name, hears his voice. Here's the voice of God saying, hey, I'm sending you back to Egypt to deliver all of my people from bondage. And then he says this in Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 12, when Moses is arguing with God, God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So what we're seeing here in Exodus 19 is the fulfillment of a promise that God had made to Moses, that Moses, I'm sending you and as a sign or evidence that it's really me that will be with you, in a short time from now, you are going to worship me at this mountain, not by yourself, but with two million plus people. Now, at the time this promise was made, it seemed ridiculous. It seemed absolutely ridiculous that the people of God, who had been in bondage for over 400 years to the most powerful nation ever known on the planet, led by the most powerful pharaohs ever known on the planet, would ever escape and leave the place that they had been for 400 years. But here's the thing. When God makes a promise, He'll always fulfill it. doesn't matter how improbable it might seem at the time or how unlikely it might seem at the time. God promised that He was going to meet with His people, and God is fulfilling that promise here in Exodus chapter 19. So the beauty of Exodus 19 is not that just God is meeting with His people, which is absolutely amazing, but what God outlines for us here is how we will meet with God in Exodus 19. And so there's three words that I would want us to remember as we walk through Exodus 19 this morning to help us remember how we can prepare ourselves to meet with God. And the first word that I want you to remember is obedience, obedience. How do we prepare ourselves to meet with God? first word I want you to catch is obedience. This is Exodus 19, starting at verse 5. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth, for all of the earth belongs to me. God makes the statement here, if you will obey me. If you will do everything that I want you to do and obey my covenant, God was calling the men and women that were part of that community to obedience. Before God meets with His people, where they're going to hear His voice and they're going to see His presence, God wants to know, will His people be obedient? Will His people be obedient to do what they ultimately want to do? Or will they be obedient to do all that God actually wants them to do? And this is the people's response to God in verse 7. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all of the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will do everything that the Lord has commanded. On your way to Genesis this morning. Wherever you were coming from, whether your drive was five minutes or maybe 30 minutes or maybe even longer, on your way to church, did any one of us think to ourselves, God, whatever you command of me today, I'll do it. God, whatever you say to me, whatever you reveal to me, God, whatever I hear from you, no matter what it is, I'm all in. On our way to church this morning, uh, when we are gathering like this, did any one of us think, God, no matter what, I will do anything and everything that you reveal to me in this place today? I think one of the things that hinders our meeting with God is that rather than saying, I will do everything that God commands, I think there's two words that have often in my life tripped me up. And two words that often, I think, trip all of us up. And the two words are, it depends. It depends. I'll be obedient, but it kind of depends on what it is. God, I'll be obedient, but it depends on how hard it will be. Like, if you're asking me to forgive that person that has really hurt me and that I've been really angry and bitter towards, well, I just don't think I'll be able to do that. Or, God... I'll be obedient, but it depends on how much it might actually cost me. Like if what you're asking me to do might cut into like me time, well then I'm pretty sure I will not be able to do that. I can't tell you for my own life how many times it depends has simply derailed me from meeting with God because I chose the path of disobedience rather than being obedient. I think there just comes a point where we need to ask ourselves the question, is being obedient to what I really want to do really worth it? Like, is being obedient to all of the desires and things that I have, is it really worth being obedient to what I want at the cost of being disobedient to what God wants and missing actually meeting with God and hearing from God? Maybe in other words, is it, depends is that response worth miss worth missing meeting with god exodus 19 reminds all of us that if we're going to be prepared to meet with god it's got to start with obedience it's got to start with a commitment of god no matter what you say reveal encourage or challenge or convict or remind me of i'm all in i'll be obedient to do anything and everything that you want and as I think we see that growing in obedience and as we grow in meeting with God there is no greater privilege. There is no greater thing that we could do than be people who are meeting with God. Now as we continue in Exodus 19, Moses goes back up the mountain to tell God, the people have said, God, they're going to do everything that you command them to do. And so when Moses meets with God on behalf of the people, Now we get the second word uh, that God gives to Moses to give to the people in order to prepare them to meet with God. I'm going to read first Exodus chapter 19, starting at verse 9 and 10, and then verse 15. 9 and 10 says this, then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. And so, Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And then verse 10, then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. And then I want to read verse 15. Verse 15 says, he also told them, get ready for that third day and until then abstain from having sexual intercourse." All right, so the second word that I want us to catch in how we prepare ourselves to meet with God is this word, consecrate. Now, I know consecrate is not necessarily a word we walk around with in our modern-day vernacular, but God makes clear to the people of God that they need to be consecrated or set apart as holy before they meet with God. Now, think for a moment, how did you prepare to meet God today? I'm guessing at some point, uh, you know, this question presupposes that you were planning on meeting with God, uh, but how did you prepare to meet with God today? Now, I realize that maybe some of you came in today and were like, gosh, I just wanted to sing a few songs and hear a message for 30 minutes and then sing some more songs and have some good coffee and conversation and then go home. Your plan wasn't necessarily, I'm coming here to meet with God. And so maybe your preparation was just like, man, I just got out of bed, brushed my teeth, shower was somewhat optional because it was somewhat cold outside, and just put on some casual, comfortable clothing, grabbed something to eat and a coffee and ran out the door and I showed up here. As I read Exodus 19, I learned that there's just actually nothing casual about coming into the presence of God. There's nothing laissez-faire about the people coming into God's presence to actually hear and meet God. But as you see in Exodus 19 verse 9, the whole point of God gathering His people was so that the people could hear God's voice. And so God was saying, consecrate, prepare yourselves to hear my voice. I just want to pause for a moment and just consider the weight, but the, the awesomeness Of this moment, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of absolutely everything, the giver of life, the savior, the redeemer, the almighty, holy, eternal God wants people to hear his voice. How amazing is that? That God is saying, I want you to meet with me so you can hear from me, that you can hear my voice. If you were to fast forward about a year, From this meeting, when Moses reflects back upon what happened here in Exodus 19, this is what he actually says in Deuteronomy chapter 4. "'You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while flames from the mountain shot into the sky. And the mountain was shrouded in black clouds and deep darkness. And the Lord spoke to you from the heart of the fire. You heard the sound of His words,' didn't see a form, but there was only a voice. I think all of us would agree that communication is important to any relationship, at least any meaningful relationship taking place. If there's no communication, well, how can you really have a relationship with that person? If you're married today, husband and wife, imagine if you're married, you didn't talk to each other. Marriage. Imagine if you just didn't if the husbands never said anything to the wives, never shared anything with their wives, and the wives never shared anything with their husbands, would any of the husbands and wives here say, yeah, we have, we've got a great relationship. We don't talk. We don't share anything with each other. No, I think we would say we don't have a healthy relationship because there's no communication. So it's not rocket science where there's no communication, there's no relationship, and because God desires to have a meaningful relationship He wanted His people to hear His voice. And God still wants us to hear His voice. So again, go back to the question I asked a moment ago. How did you prepare yourselves today to meet with God? How did you prepare yourselves to hear His voice? We know that obedience now is part of that, that our obedience shapes how we're going to meet with God. But in Exodus 19, God gives two very specific things that He wants the people to do to prepare themselves, to consecrate themselves, and the first one was wash their clothes and refrain from having sex. Now, this seems maybe somewhat odd or even arbitrary, but for the people of God hearing these two very specific commands, they would understand the heart behind each of them. See, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, clothing served as an outward symbol for one's true spiritual condition. might be familiar with the story in the New Testament, the story of the prodigal son. It's that younger brother who tells his dad, hey, I wish you were dead, so can I just have the inheritance that I would get when you did die? Can I just have it now so I can go spend it on anything and everything that I want, my whims and my pleasures? And so his dad says, here's the inheritance now. And the younger son goes and just squanders all of the inheritance away, wakes up one day and realizes that I miss dad. had it so much better when I was in my father's house. But when he returned home, the father immediately gives him a new outfit to wear because the father wanted his outward clothing to reflect his now true spiritual condition. He wanted the outward clothing was worn. It was torn. It reflected his lostness. But now that he came home, the father put his own clothing on him in order to reflect that you no longer are lost, but you're found. You're no longer dead, but you are alive. And so, for the people of God in Exodus 19, God had already told them, you're a kingdom of priests. You're a holy nation. That's who you are. And so, God wanted their outward appearance to reflect their true inward appearance of kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, when the people are called to refrain from having sex, God is not declaring in this moment that sex is somehow a bad thing. Rather, He's calling the people to a form of fasting. Essentially, what God is doing, the earthly cares and concerns and carnal affections are being put away for a time in order that we might give our full attention to seeing and hearing from God. Now, let me make this personal for all of us. Have you ever had a bad weekend? And I mean like a bad weekend where you did things that you swore you'd never do again. You participated in things that you said, you know, I'm not going to do this, but then you found yourself doing it anyways. Or you looked at things, clicked on things, viewed things that you swore, I'm never doing this again, but the weekend came and whatever reason, you gave in to doing the very things that you said you would never, ever do again. Or maybe the weekend was you had this blowout fight with your spouse or with a friend or a family member, and you said things to this person that just crossed all sorts of lines, things that as soon as they flew out of your mouth, you realize, I cannot take that back. I think all of us have had weekends like that. But After that rough weekend, you showed up at church, and you find it really hard to engage. You're singing songs about God's holiness and God's faithfulness and God's love and His mercy and His kindness, but singing songs like that just seems really disingenuous to what just happened literally hours before. Or you're just having a hard time even hearing God's voice when we're opening God's Word together. Because the only voice that you actually hear in that moment is your voice condemning you for the things that you did that you swore you'd never do ever again. See, God called His people then and He still calls His people now to be consecrated, to be prepared to step into holiness, to prepare ourselves in order to hear from God, to prepare ourselves to actually meet with God. I think the question that we might ask is, well, gosh, why is consecration actually so important to God? Uh, This past summer, I watched a a great mini-series, a documentary of sorts, on Chernobyl. Now, for those of you who were not maybe old enough to remember Chernobyl, in 1986, uh, in the Soviet Union, a nuclear reactor melted down, and it was catastrophic. They say only 4,000 people uh, were killed, but they don't know the tens if not hundreds of thousands of people that were impacted with things like cancer and leukemia because of the radiation that had leaked for hundreds if not thousands of miles. Now, I'm not a nuclear physicist, but I do know enough that I would never approach an exposed nuclear reactor core with, like, a casual attitude. I would never, ever you know walk up on an exposed nuclear reactor core. i would walk into that scenario with a lot of awe a lot of respect and even fear i wouldn't approach a nuclear reactor core without proper clothing covering myself literally from head to toe why because i know that the human body cannot take on that much radiation Like, what happened is when people were exposed to that much radiation, they literally were melting from the inside out. Now, I give this as an example because the reason that consecration is so important is because sin cannot stand in the presence of God. And God even tells Moses this to warn the people in Exodus 19.12, mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people be careful do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death in short what god is telling moses to tell the people listen if the people of god just try to rush up the mountain and they're just all like casual and and just very free flowing with it it will not work out well for them why because sin cannot survive the presence of holiness We are sinful people. God is a holy, perfect God, and sin cannot survive in the presence of holiness. So, we need to understand that when God tells us to be consecrated, this isn't like punishment. This isn't God trying to ruin anyone's fun. This is God saying, no, I am being gracious to you, telling you to prepare yourselves to meet me in my holiness. Now, if we step back for a moment. It kind of seems odd what's happening here in this moment. God tells the people to draw close, but He also tells them, stay, stay back a little bit. So, God is saying, hey, I want you to come close. I want you to draw near so you can hear my voice. You can experience me, but don't get too close. So, I think the question becomes, well, how can we have a relationship with the one we must be kept separate from? How does that work? How do we have a relationship with God, but yet God, we need to be kept separate from Him because of His holiness? And the final word that I want us to see in Exodus 19 of how we prepare ourselves to meet with God is the word mediator. Now, up until this point, Moses has been serving as a mediator, the go between God and His people. And I want you to listen to what actually happens when God came down the mountain on that third day. This is Exodus 19, verse 16 through 20. As best as you can, as I'm reading this, if it's helpful, just close your eyes and try to even envision and imagine what this must have been like for the people to have the presence and power and voice of God come down in front of them. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed. And a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from the ram's horns, and all the people they trembled. And Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. And the smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook. Violently. As the blast of the ram's horns grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, and so Moses climbed the mountain once again. To be honest with you, I've read that a lot this past week. I think I'm a pretty imaginative, creative person, but I couldn't even fathom what that would have been like to hear the voice of God thundering so loud and to see this mountain shaking and to have this mountain covered in just darkness but yet lit up in flames. The author of Hebrews reflects back on what happened here in Exodus 19, specifically honing in on Moses' response. And it says in Hebrews 12, Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. If Moses, the one who interacted with God on numerous occasions prior to this, was terrified and trembling, it's safe to say, safe to conclude that God is so much bigger than we think He is. God is so much more awesome, more majestic, more powerful. God is so much more holy God is so much more dangerous than we think He is. That is why, like the people of God, we need a mediator who will go before us because who could possibly stand before God? This for us is what we call the good news of the gospel because God promised that He would raise up an even better mediator than Moses, a perfect mediator that could once for all time bridge the gap or the divide between a holy God and a sinful people. God promised that He would send an even better mediator than Moses, not one who would have to walk up the mountain to meet with God, but He would send one who would come down the mountain to meet with us. And His name is Jesus. I love how the New Testament describes Jesus as the mediator says in 1 Timothy, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator. One God, one mediator, who can reconcile God and humanity. There is only one who can bridge the gap between a holy God and sinful humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Three words that I wanted us to remember from Exodus 19 this morning in order to help remind us of how we prepare ourselves to meet with God obedience, consecration, and mediator. And what I wanted you to see this connection is Jesus was perfectly obedient for us because we were not perfectly obedient. Jesus is the one who makes us holy because we can't make ourselves holy. But Jesus, who is holy, gives us His holiness, His righteousness. And Jesus is the one who brings us to God. Not me, not our works, not our best attempts, but Jesus is the perfect mediator for us. God wants to meet with you, not just once a week for an hour. The beauty of Exodus 19 that then plays out through the rest of the story in Old and New Testament, is that God wants to meet with you every moment of every day, and He's prepared a way for that to happen through His Son, Jesus. So, we might end our gathering here in 15 minutes, and you'll go home and enter into the rest of your day and prepare for what will be this upcoming week. And I wanted you to know that God, as you prepare, God is saying, but hey, I want you to prepare for how you will meet with me tomorrow at work, how you will meet with me tomorrow at school, how you will meet with me in your marriage, in your family, in your relationships with your sons and your daughters, your brothers and your sisters, your friends, neighbors, coworkers, and classmates. God wants to meet with you every moment of every day. And because of Christ, His perfect obedience, His holiness given to us, and His mediation, you and I get to meet with God every moment of every day.